Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Here it is, opening day. I hope you all are as excited as we are. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today. Every team is in action. We're going to break down every game, tell you one player or one storyline to watch for in each game. We also have bowl predictions, MLB predictions, and we're going to start... With an over-under, Scott White, this is for you, a fresh over-under. Over-under, three and a half steals for Francisco Lindor this season. <laughs> yeah, I'm still going to take the over on that, but how did he hurt himself in the minors? What was he doing again? Oh, he was running the bases. So, yeah, when he is ready to go, I have a feeling uh, they might want to limit how much he does that. Well, welcome to Scott White. Welcome to all of you out there. Hello, Kreeth. How you guys doing? I'm great. Apparently, Mr. Professional here for right? watching the video doesn't want to participate in the theme of opening day, which is being a baseball fan. Firmly establishing myself as the only unbiased analyst on the podcast, the only non-homer, as I have always said, <laughs> I am the voice of reason. Wait, can, can we all ridiculous? Can we all establish right now? I think I know what the answer is going to be, and I think I'm not going to like it. But on the count of three, I'm going to go one, two, three, and then we're all going to say it. Who on this podcast is the biggest homer? Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Heath, Adam, Adam. What? Come on. <laughs> it's unquestionable. It's definitely Adam. Like if if Heath had spent the entire off season. Singing the virtues of Ryan O'Hearn. Who has been better than Greg Bird? We could make that case. <laughs> if I had, you know, just no, you done have. nothing. No, no, no. <laughs> but those guys are actually good. Unlike Greg Bird. <laughs> if I had spent the entire offseason just like, guys, you gotta draft Garrett Cooper. I, I could get that title. Scott, the, the Braves really don't have any bad players. I, well, the, like, uh, Julio's no, run. I mean, Mike I had Fulton three Braves on my, uh, I had three Braves on my initial bus list. So. Mm-hmm. There yeah, you go. Come on. There you Scott go. Scott have been telling us that Julio Tron was an above average starting pitcher. Oh, gosh. Heath, with your, with your judgmental hot takes today. Oh, man. Um, Francisco Lindor. Let's start with that. He sprained his ankle, running the bases. Leonis Martin is likely going to lead off for Cleveland in the interim. Eric Stamets is going to play shortstop. Uh, Hanley Ramirez made the roster. So, I guess just to put it into context of how valuable you think Francisco Lindor is, if you were drafting today, Chris, Heath, and Scott, when would you draft Francisco Lindor? I think you still got third round. 22nd overall. I had been letting him slide to late in the second, so yeah, I think, I think probably... Early third makes sense. I, we don't really have a timetable for this injury. It's not as bad in my mind as a calf strain, but it's going to but, know, cost him. I would imagine all of April. Scott, the calf bone is connected to the ankle bone, so there's no calf bone. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's a calf muscle that he. Pulled. No, it's the calf bones connected to the ankle, ankle bone. bone. That's how the song goes. I think yeah. it's the shin bone. No, right. Uh, so. Uh, uh, okay, do you, what are your expectations, uh, or how reasonable is it that Francisco Lindor comes back and is MVP caliber when he plays? 
slightly it, worse than MVP caliber is my expectation. I think you, you should expect him to to struggle a little more than he would otherwise. I don't think you just expect him to step back on the field uh, after missing all of spring training and the first maybe month of the season and then just be himself. Especially since he will literally not run ever. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, you, I think you but singles. have to be a little concerned about the steals, I guess, um, as Scott already was, and that was well documented. Okay, fast-paced show today, a lot to talk about. Players we have the most shares of. We have finished our drafts. Who do you have the most shares of? Scott White. Well, I didn't actually count it all up, uh, but I would guess the player I have the most shares of is Chris Archer. Off the top of my head, uh, I did write a column, Players I Keep Drafting, where I named 16 of them, and he was among them. I, I would guess he's the one I have the most. Heath? I actually have a color-coded spreadsheet to tell me the answer to this question. I know. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a three-way tie. Matt Carpenter, Paul DeYoung, four-way. Michael Brantley, and Luke Weaver. As I've always said, Heath loves St. Louis. And that just <laughs> proves that I'm not a homer. No, you just love St. Louis. It's right. It's close by. And there's sliced bagels. Yeah, that I I will defend the sliced bagel. What is a Sorry. sliced bagel? What like you didn't see the controversy yesterday? They sliced their bagels the wrong direction. They sliced their bagels like Louis. bread. And I think I wouldn't like if I had them at home. I wouldn't want that. But for an office setting where you have a big spread of a variety of bagels, I think it's the perfect it's like little way to do it. Like little bagel crackers. I mean, it's not like a hard. It's not hard. So they take a. They take a single bagel and they slice it more than once, you're saying? Top to bottom. Like, yeah, top to bottom. Well, like, like, because, okay, think I about don't it. get it. I'm even looking at a, it and we, I don't get it. We had a breakfast <laughs> spread yesterday, uh, off, brought by, by the company, and it's a bunch of bagels and some cookies and muffins. It's great fruit, but it's not, it's not the healthiest thing. And a bagel's not the healthiest thing in the world. I'm trying to watch my weight. I've lost some weight. Uh, Hold your applause. Look at you. Look, look at Chris. He looks great in that orange. And slimming. I um, I don't want a whole bagel. It's too much. But I'm not gonna rip a bagel in half and then just throw the other one back on the pile. Oh, throw it away. That's... I, that's what I have to do. I have to throw half a bagel away. Do you have you ever seen how many bagels are left at like 2 p.m.? It, <laughs> that's I all. Don't want to. They throw bagels away. I know, but I don't want to be responsible for a bagel being thrown away. I would rather. Just be able to select my portion of bagel, individually cream cheese it, and then go all about what my What players day do you have the most the exposure to? I, uh, uh, I sometimes Seager. get a second bagel. Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's too many bagels. Okay. It's so dense. <laughs> okay, so Scott... in your belly like a neutron star. Scott said Chris Archer. Heath said four players. Matt Carpenter, Paul DeYoung, Michael Brantley, and Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver! We haven't done that in a long time. Scott, uh, Chris... A lot. Chris, who... Um, who do you have the most shares of? Corey Seager, which is, given the way I've talked about Corey Seager the previous two years, is shocking, but I just feel like he's been a great value this year. I'm not too worried about him living up to his potential. I think he's, you know, there's some risk coming off hip and elbow surgery, but when he's falling to like 70th, 80th overall, I feel like he's just too good a value there. And it reached the point where, Scott would just start saying in the draft room, Chris is about to take a shortstop or second yeah. or third. You took uh, a lot yeah. of shortstops. Now, was, I do have a question, though. Do you know that you actually, like, have you kept track or is this another guess? I 
so I've kept track of the leagues that I'm playing out, and there's nobody that really like. I, I think I have three shares of Justin Turner in the six leagues that I'm playing out. That's probably the answer for the ones I'm playing out. Right. But including the mocks, it's definitely Corey. Because that's the reason I asked, and that's the reason I do this. We do so many mock drafts. I drafted a ton of Jack Flaherty this year. I have him on zero teams that we're playing out. Yeah. Which kind of sucks. I have Seager on a couple teams that we're playing out. I have a lot of Luis Severino, and I'm a little. I mean, I'm nervous because you know. It's not just you sit there and you say, well, he's going to miss a month and then he's going to come back and be fine. This could be uh, an injury that lingers and it could derail him. You know, Marcus Stroman, for example, last year, just I don't think he was ever right. And he was, he's definitely someone we're going to be keeping an eye on today as he makes his opening day start. But if Severino has a good year, I might get off to a slow start, but I should be in pretty good shape. You know, able to get him. I think I got him last night at 100th overall. In a draft, which isn't great value or anything, but it, it could end up obviously being great value. So I'm not a homer, but I love Luis Severino. <laughs> you are clearly a homer. The guy you own the most of is a pitcher for your favorite team that is not going to pitch for at least the first month of the season. Adam, pop your pop your shirt. Let's see it. Oh yeah, right, right there we go. I had to stand up or sit on a phone booth or a phone book rather. And, uh, is that a child <laughs> medium or child's large? <laughs> it's a uh, girl's small. Uh, shirt that I have on today. So a couple things to promote, a few things to promote. Sportsline, all right, opening day, a lot of games to pick. You want to play some wagers, go to sportsline.com, use the promo code VEGAS, and get your first month for just $1, and you will see how great it is, and you will make, it's $9.99 a month. Okay, first month for a dollar with the code VEGAS, but with the advice you're getting there, you're going to make that money back. Fantasy Baseball today on CBS Sports HQ this afternoon at noon Eastern. Hopefully you're hearing this before that. Please check it out, noon Eastern uh, on CBS Sports HQ. Just download the CBS Sports app and watch HQ. It is free. I watch it on my Roku all the time. If you have uh, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, anything that is connected, you can watch HQ. And we've got the uh, this special edition of our show <clears throat> that you're going to love. And the madness continues tonight. We're one step closer to one shining moment. The best place to stay on top of all the NCAA tournament coverage is CBS Sports HQ. And that is our free 24-hour sports streaming network. And it's built for fans like you and me. This is smart sports analysis. You're not going to get the uh, the fake debates, the yelling, the politics that you find on the other sports networks. You're going to see, like I said, fantasy baseball content on HQ. It's always on. It's always free. Download the CBS Sports app. We got bold predictions today, so I want to tease a little bit with one bold prediction now and the rest later. And then we're going to give some MLB standings. I got the Angels making the playoffs. Yeah. Woo. Um, that could be a bold prediction. Scott, give me one bold prediction that you'd like to talk about right now. Uh, okay. I believe, I don't, I mean, these are bold predictions, so I don't know how much I believe it, but I think it's plausible that two Rockies starting pitchers could be in the top five Cy Young finishers in the NL. My best guess for who those would be would be Herman Marquez and John Gray, but you know, maybe maybe Kyle Freeland is able to uh, repeat the feat. He was fourth in the NL last year. Okay, I like that. Herman Marquez. Boy, I hope you drafted in some Yahoo leagues, Scott, because Herman Marquez was very low. I did a Yahoo draft last night. And uh I don't play with those Yahoos. Yeah. Come on. I if, if you play in a Yahoo league, you do not ever have to worry about position scarcity. Ever. I was shocked that Carlos <laughs> Santana was not catcher eligible. He was third base and first base eligible. Um all right, yeah. Chris, how about a bold prediction from you? Daniel Murphy will hit three fifty 
That is my bold prediction. I, I thought, I thought it, was it was 360. Is it 360? I think it was 360. You're, you're getting a little cowardly. On Even the bolder. Daniel Murphy will hit 360. That's what I meant to say. He hit 347 <laughs> in 2016, 322 in 2017, and that was not playing half of his games at Coors Field. And then his skill set just completely evaporated because of his knee injury last year, and he hit 299 with a 308 Babbitt. He's okay. If not Jose Altuve, I think he's probably the best batting average skill guy in baseball. And now he gets to play at the park that boosts Babbitt more than any. I think that over the last decade or something, pitchers at Coors Field have given up like a 320 Babbitt. And Daniel Murphy has long been a high Babbitt guy with his uh, swings. So he's easy money to win the batting average title if that's a thing that you can wager on. Uh, I don't know if easy money, but smart. Easy guy. money. Like it's, it's still long odds. Easy money. Go to sports like, we like the Rockies. Here, right? Apparently, I don't have them making the playoffs. He, oh, Heath, what's your Rockies or non-Rockies related prediction? I have no Rockies related, related predictions. I'll say Eloy Jimenez is going to be a top 20 hitter in both formats. He's going to hit 300. He's going to hit 30 home runs. He's going to drive in 100 runs. He won't steal any bases. He might not score a lot of runs. But Eloy Jimenez is going to be awesome. Is going to be what? Awesome. No, what, what was your prediction? Hitter, both formats. Top 20 hitter. Okay, in both formats. All right, my prediction. Brad Peacock will be better than Zach Granke. I've talked a lot about Brad Peacock and what he did as a starter two years ago. Zach Granke has given up 23, 25, and 28 home runs in his last three seasons. Obviously under a strikeout printing last year, which is not necessarily new for him. He's thrown 2,663 and a third regular season innings across 15 seasons. And in his last two months of 2018, Granke was 3-6 and six with a 368 ERA, 19 walks, 56 strikeouts, 10 home runs allowed in 71 innings. Pretty not so great. And I just think the wins are going to keep going down. I think he might win 12 games because I think the Diamondbacks are absolutely terrible. Uh, so Brad Peacock... I won't have as many innings, but will be better than Zach Greinke. That is bold, people. In points? On a per-game basis or per-inning basis, yes. Season-long. That you're saying nothing. Yes. Say yes, yes. Adam. Have yes. the courage of your convictions. Yes. Don't Bra- let Heath bully you. Brad Peacock better than Greinke. There we go. I, I did just bully him. Yeah. Saying yes. <laughs> you did. But neither will be as good as Luis Severino. Okay, so uh, a few rankings disputes. I want to do more of these. Throughout the, throughout the season. One of them, not exactly a dispute, but we should talk about Fernando Tatis. But let's start with Peter Alonso. They are not ranked all that differently. But Scott, you have Alonso 14th in points, 13th in roto at first base. And Heath, you have Alonso 19th in points and 18th in roto at first base. So we're going to talk about Alonso, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Joey Lucchese. Major rankings disagreement there on Joey Lucchese. Let's kick it off with a guy who's going to be in the opening day lineup for the New York Mets. First baseman, Peter Alonzo, Scott White, the floor is yours, and let's see, I'm going to give you guys 30 seconds each. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm very excited about Pete Alonzo. There wasn't too many hitters who had a more eye-opening spring. Obviously, the Mets wanted him on the roster, and he seized that job with gusto, but made a lot more contact than I think I even anticipated, and while I'm not necessarily counting on that continuing into the regular season, it was a good sign that he's not overmatched by major league pitching and uh, tons of power. I, I'm thinking there is like a Reese Hoskins outcome for him. 
in his Here. first major league season. Time is up. Okay, Heath Cummings, Peter Alonso. I don't I don't dislike Pete Alonso, and he's one of the last first basemen that I could get excited about having some upside. I do still have concerns because the Mets, things worked out pretty well for Alonzo in that Todd Frazier was hurt. Jed Lowry was hurt. They've got some openings. They start their season, though, with nine games basically against Aces. They've got the Nationals for three, the Marlins for three, and then the Nationals for three. I'm afraid Alonzo gets off to a slow start against all those good pitchers. I'm, I do think there's quite a bit of upside there, though. Wait, the Marlins for three? Chris didn't even acknowledge me. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I just we don't know which of the Marlins aces are going to be there. Aces well, five, four, aces, four. right? Four. Okay, St- we're calling them stallions. Okay, so I, I don't know that there was much of a debate there, but relevant player worth talking about. I'm gonna give a. I'm gonna say that one's a draw. And Fernando Tatis Jr. You both have him 15th. Scott has him 14th in Roto, but Heath talked about. You know, he's in the Paul DeYoung, Gleyber Torres uh, range. And, Scott, you haven't had a chance to talk about Fernando Tatis, so I'll let you go first again. 30 seconds on the clock. Talk about Fernando Tatis, who I took in two leagues yesterday. Uh, very excited. I think I got him like 130th overall in one league and 115th maybe in another. Go ahead, Scott. So my ranking is is meant to be on the cautious side. There's a chance Fernando Tatis comes up and is so good we're drafting him in the first round next year. I, I think he has a, a honestly it's a Manny Machado like skill set for him, but he's 20 and you know obviously hasn't spent much time in the upper minors. Uh, but there's power, there's speed. I you know the downside is he strikes out too much potentially and and ends up hitting only 240. Um, and shortstop being, you know, I just have him a couple spots behind Gene Segura. So shortstop has a lot of depth, like we said. Uh, but in terms of, um, rostering him, I, I would, I would have a hard time giving him up knowing the upside right now if I was lucky enough to roster him. I figured you were wrapping up anyway, but I would just play the buzzer sound. Uh, Heath, any thoughts, uh, on day two of Fernando Tatis Mania? Yeah, I said a lot of things about Tatis yesterday, and Scott said everything that I pretty much agree with just 30 seconds ago. So I want to attack Scott, use my time to attack Scott for scoffing at the Glaber Torres Paul DeYoung range of my range. Oh, you saw that. Because <laughs> their ADP may not be the same, but their profile is almost identical. I think it's brilliant no, I, I, to say he's in that range, because you really can't be wrong. <laughs> that was a 140 pick range. No, I've, really, it's I've the pointed, smartest game three move you can make. Did you get that from me that his batted ball profile was basically identical to Paul DeYoung last year? I, I wasn't talking about his batted ball profile. I was talking about his actual production in the major leagues and his projections for 2019. Okay. I do uh, want to say. I, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I do think Torres has considerably more upside than DeYoung. So there's a gap between the two of my rankings, and there is, I think, for most people. Uh, so that's why I scoffed at that, that range. That sounds like a wide range. <laughs> I do want to say one thing about Fernando Tatis. There was this big argument on Twitter. The fantasy baseball community was torn asunder on the question of how good will Fernando Tatis be. And, you know, the projections don't think he'll be great. But one thing to keep in mind is, like, Scott, you compared him to Manny Machado. And I think that's a great comparison for this reason. Nobody would think comparing... Fernando Tatis to Manny Machado would be an insult. But Manny Machado only had a 755 OPS as a rookie, only 14 homers, only six steals. He wasn't a great fantasy player. 
Um, now we know what Manny Machado became, so it's obviously not an insult, but that's the thing to keep in mind is it's really hard to be good in the majors at the age of 20. There's a chance that he's just like a low end middle infielder, but he still needs to be rostered in all leagues because of the upside. All right. Last guy we're debating here, Joey Lucchese. Chris wanted me to put Chris Paddock in the notes, but the rankings are too similar. So I need an actual debate. Lucchese is 57th for Scott, 96th for Heath. Heath, why so low on low Casey for you? Yeah. And I think this is something I've kind of realized over the last week or so that I just didn't realize that I think more people agree with Scott on Joey Lucchese than I do. And there is some potential there, but we are talking of a guy who averaged about five innings per start last year and had a 4.08 ERA and had a FIP that was even worse than that. So I don't really understand why everybody thinks he's a top 50 or 60 starting pitcher. I don't really think that the Padres are going to be good this year. I've got him in fourth place, so I don't expect him to get a bunch of wins. I don't think he's going to get a lot of innings, and I just don't get it. Well, the reason is 10 strikeouts per nine innings last year. And I'll point out that I originally had Lucchese ranked closer to Heath's range. I I considered it kind of a a modern look at the way we evaluate starting pitchers and how he hardly lasted a third time through the batting order last year. He pointed out the, uh, his, his average innings per start. It's tough to get wins that way. But the addition of a cutter to his arsenal this spring, I think, is with the idea of hopefully allowing him to pitch deeper into games, broadening his arsenal a bit. And um, it, it's really upside. You know, I, I came to the conclusion that on draft day, I want upside and I'll figure it out from there. If it doesn't work out, I, I had to move him ahead of boring guys like Julio Tehran and Michael Waka. I think I still have him ahead of Tehran as well. Oh, Heath, I do have one question shock. for you. Where do you have Rich Hill? Um... I have Rich Hill around 70, 60 or 70. How many innings per start did Rich Hill average? I would assume around six. 5.3. Wow. That's surprising. It's a little better than Joey Lucchese, but they're actually, I think, if you look at the Well, profiles, Rich Hill has a sub-3 ERA, right? 3.66. No, yeah. He actually had a high ERA-ish. And Joey Lucchese had a 3.64 Sierra. I think if you actually look at them, they kind of look like the same guy. They really only have two pitches each. Lucchese's is, I don't think we've just decided if it's a changeup or a curve. I think people were referring to it as a churve last year, but it's like an 80 mile per hour thing that nobody can hit. Um, I think he does have a lot in common with Rich Hill, a lot of strikeouts. I think better control than Rich Hill, at least what he showed last year. Hides the ball really well. Um, I, I, I'm more with Scott on this one. Oh, okay. Well, then I will play. There you go. If you had gone with Heath, it would have been. But not today, Heath. The Heath is not on. Uh, news and notes. Alex Cora will not name a closer. Does, does Ryan Brazier need to be owned? Uh, not in a standard size league. Uh, I, I think it's going to be Barnes still. I mean, there was reports early this spring that Barnes had the advantage, and after some initial struggles, they figured out he was tipping his pitches this spring and he was very strong to close the exhibition season when Brazier hardly pitched at all. I think the skills are better for Barnes and um, yeah, I, I think it'll be Barnes, but it may not be. We'll see. 
not a bad idea if you own Matt Barnes to see if you can drop someone useless and get Ryan Brazier. I, I don't think it's a bad idea to own Ryan Brazier. I think there's a possibility. I mean, I sort of months ago planted my flag in, on Brazier Island. I've stayed there. My, his last name sort of rhymes with mine. But uh, I think he might be better than Barnes. Barnes has some, some major walk issues. Great strikeouts, though. Uh, Oakland Not for a closer. Come on. Well, Most but, closers walk three and a half guys per nine. Is that all it is? I thought it was in the fours. No, his was like 4.5, I think. Yeah, I think he's got some serious. Yeah, I think anyway. Uh, Oakland acquired Kendris Morales from Toronto. Do we care? I care. I care about Rowdy Telez possibly getting an opportunity with the Blue Jays just because he's a a big beefy baseball boy named Rowdy and might hit some dongs. But who do you like more in AL only, Kendris Morales or or Rowdy Telez? I don't think Telez is currently on the Blue Jays. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I I think Morales probably he showed it, it looked like he was kind of done last year and then he got hot at the end of the season. The underlying skills still look okay. It's a really bad park shift for him, though. That That's the thing I'm concerned with. I think he could be fine in AL only, though. I, I heard anything cared. you said because I was researching Rich Hill's innings per start because I thought that was a crazy number. It's true. It's Heath well, does it's that. You, you owe it. He he Heath. <laughs> it's, not, it's not true. He, he averaged 5.7 innings per start, just for a point of clarification. Okay. <laughs> an extra out. Pretty, half an inning is a pretty big difference. It is. I mean, uh, yeah, I, that's what I, I got. I don't know. What, he had a relief appearance. Okay. I, I had, um, I, I care about the Morales signing to the extent that I was beginning to add Chad Pender and, and particularly in some five outfielder leagues, thinking this was the excuse the A's were looking for the Matt Olson injury to, uh, to get Pender in the lineup more regularly. Sounds like they're not so motivated to do that after all. I would guess it would be kind of a platoon between Morales and Pinder with Profar jumping between first and second base until Olsen is healthy. All right, some he didn't of the throw a pitch in that appearance. Why is that listed on his I have no idea. <laughs> Rich Hill has one relief appearance where he did not throw a pitch and then he didn't pitch for a month. He got a blister before the game started, probably. <laughs> I have no idea what this is. <laughs> but it's listed as the game started. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Lineup stuff here. Uh, Juan Lagares is going to start in center field for the Mets. What does that mean? Is it Jeff McNeil not going to be in the lineup? He's playing third. Yep. Ah. It's the Lowry Frazier thing. Oh, okay. Still. I gotcha. Okay. Uh, Peter Alonso will be in the lineup. Malik Smith is going to start in center field. Do we know if he's leading off or batting ninth? They probably. I can won't check really on that. Up until four, right? Probably. A lot of lineups are already out, so I'll check on that. Right, that's, and that's a big I, one to me. Is Heath, you were saying? I know his first game back, he let off, but I, I do not. They have. I don't see an, an opening day lineup announced. All right, D Gordon. Well, it's not their opening day. Yeah, I don't see one either. D Gordon let off in Japan. Malik Smith will play tonight, and we'll see. That you know, can't wait to start him against Chris Sale, but. Uh, I, I, to me, that's very significant. Which one bats ninth? Which one bats first between Malik Smith and D. Gordon? Uh, Yasiel Puig is going to bat third for the Reds, and Rafael Devers. This is something I was really interested in. Uh, I knew he'd be in the lineup, but he's facing a lefty. They're batting him third tonight. So it's Benintendi, Betts, Devers, J.D. Martinez. 
that is a great opportunity for Rafael Devers to get his season off on the right I, foot. I think we talked about that earlier in the season. That was what, that's what Cora wants. He yeah. wants for Devers to be their everyday number three hitter. I'm, I, I think the Puig thing though is really interesting. It's, it's, we, we knew he was going to bat in a better spot than he did with the Dodgers, but I was thinking more on, you know, like fifth, maybe. The Scooter Jeanette injury may have made this possible though, where he's going to be batting behind Jesse Winker and Joey Votto, who might both be 400 OBP guys. A lot of RBI to opportunities there. And of course, uh, potential for more bats than we've seen from him in a few years. Do we know if Nolan Arenado is batting second? I, I, I hope he I does don't not. I think that's been. There are a few lineups out there. There are a couple of really interesting notes that you you didn't get to. Can I throw them out there? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Greg Bird is starting on opening day. I know. Batting seventh. Ugh, where, Torres is batting eight. Where's Voigt batting? Uh, fourth. Clean up. Oh gosh, that's not good for Greg yeah. Bird. Labor <laughs> Torres is eight. It, okay. That that makes it difficult for DFS because I think a lot of people are going to want to play four Yankees. Uh huh. I am. And, I have. Uh, I have Greg Bird. <laughs> I assume Gardner's leading off. Yeah, it's Gardner, Judge, Stanton, Voigt, and then Gary Sanchez. Uh, no, and Duhar Sanchez sixth. That'll make Sanchez an interesting play because he won't be as popular hitting sixth. Go the wraparound. Torres, Tulo, and then Judge and Stanton. I don't want Tulo. Glaber Torres batting eighth is, is uh, you know, not insignificant. Yeah. Um, and, um, go ahead. Gene Segura's batting second. Andrew McCutcheon batting leadoff for the Phillies also. Yeah, and Cesar Hernandez seventh. Michael Franco eighth. Aaron Nola batting ninth. All right, cool. We'll see what happens. Don't don't read too much into the lineups. They change a lot, but I think you can expect Andrew McCutcheon to be a leadoff hitter and Yasiel Puig to bat third if he hits well. And I, like I said, really. Oh, Jesse Winker leading off, by the way. Yep. I don't know if you said that. I'm sorry, but Winker Vado. Oh, Scott said that indirectly. Right? Yes. Yeah. Winker Vado Puig, Eugenio Suarez, Shebler Peraza, Tucker Barnhart, Jose Iglesias, Luis Castillo. And, and I think Pete Alonso, at, at least if they follow what they were doing toward the end of spring training, I think he'll be batting second, which is another reason. Like, to me, that's a vote of confidence. The second spot is kind of what the third spot used to be, where hitters typically put their best, where teams typically put their best hitters there. Okay, so here's what's uh, left on the second half of today's show. I have a quick round of your emails. I've got one player or storyline to watch for in each game. And the rest of our bold predictions and MLB predictions... Let's take a quick break. Come right back here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Your emails at FantasyBaseball at CBSI.com. Keep them coming all throughout the season. Grade the trade, fantasy regulators. We'll do all that stuff. All right, this is from Edward. Good morning, Fantasy Baseball gurus. Gurus, I would appreciate your collective wisdom about the impact players most likely to be traded across leagues during the season. This is obviously relevant for AL only and NL only owners. 
Guys, who will get traded most likely to get moved to another league? Uh, I think Jonathan can't spring on us. The last um, <laughs> Jonathan Starling VR. Castro. Starling Castro. Again, Jonathan any, VR. Anybody who is in a long-term foundation piece on a bad team is a candidate to get traded to the other league. So Jonathan VR, Nicholas uh, Castellano, since he's not signed to a long-term deal. Um, you know, what's interesting, if you look at our bold prediction columns, with one exception, I think, all four of us chose the same last place team in every division. So it's pretty clear who the bad teams are. And uh, I would I would be worried if it, if it wasn't a young player who was just breaking into the big leagues. I would be worried about anyone from those teams. Madison Bumgarner. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's been trade rumors. I mean, Corey Kluber and Trevor Bauer. There's, there were trade rumors about those guys two days ago. Right. Um, with the Padres. So even not on bad teams, there's a chance that there are some teams that are trying to win, but aren't trying that hard. And I think the Indians are one. Um, so we could see those guys get moved. And then obviously relievers, right? I mean, these, these bad teams are going to try to turn their relievers into something. So yeah. I, I mean, I think we all Drew, Drew Steckenrider if he emerges this year. Yeah. But we all feel like the Padres could be solid. We have them third, third. I have them third. He, Scott has them third. Heath has them fourth. Chris has the Padres second. But if they don't do well, playing in the playoffs, you have them in the playoffs. Oh yeah, baby. No, He's homer pick. That's crazy. <laughs> You're not even a dad. How could that be a homer pick? Um, Padres, you know. So yeah, so they could it, closers on bad teams. Let's just say that those are the most likely guys to go. Uh, next email is from Mark. It's been a great week to have you back, Adam. Frog and dog definitely rhyme. And I think you need to continue incorporating background music. Chris was on to something. <laughs> How come there's not much talk about CJ Crone? He is not in either Heath or Scott's top 300. He had 30 home runs last year. He's going to play in a better lineup in ballpark. Is there something I'm missing here about CJ Crone? He's pretty one-dimensional. Uh, I do have some shares in him in deeper leagues because I think there's a good chance he approaches 30 homers again without doing much else. But, you know, beyond the top 300 range, that's a useful player. I I don't see the need to put him in the 300 range. And and the fact is he probably would be in my Roto top 300 if I didn't have to fit 24 catchers in there. Right. There's a lot of bad catchers that have to be incorporated just because of, you know, they're designed for two catcher leagues, those rankings. I think I'm pretty consistent in um, being lower on the guys that break out in their late 20s, um, closer to 30, and especially when the breakout is barely fantasy relevant. Uh, okay. So next email is from What Did I Do in Lowell, Michigan? I've never had any malicious conversations with Chris Towers, and my last at, <laughs> last tweet was dated March 24th and was not ill-mannered in any way. And then poof! I'm black. I'm blocked. I truly do enjoy his insight on the podcast, and he was a great follow on Twitter. Please ask Chris to find the kindness in his heart and unblock at Brett P. Nazek. Why'd you block him, Chris? I've unblocked him. I don't know what it was for. Um, <laughs> you you get a little uh, I'm sure in, in your feelings sometimes. I'm Start sure it was, it was something, maybe. Uh, but I've unblocked him. You know, I'm I'm willing to to grant reprieves. I'll just say I 
I'm, Brett may be sending us another email in a week. Wow, I guess I'd been blocked for a while. I didn't know how much Chris tweeted. <laughs> Can you ask him to block me again? <laughs> and it just, it's just so weird because, like, Chris never says anything mean to other people on Twitter, you know? So, like... Are you kidding? There is nobody in this podcast. That was sarcasm. Yeah, like, the most obvious sarcasm of all time. I didn't like, get it at all. Like, come on, I totally now. missed it. Come on, keep up, man. <laughs> okay, this is from Slow Luke. Slow down in your old age. Uh, Luke says, Tatis Jr. was dropped in my 12-team Roto League yesterday. Okay. We have waiver wire priority based on standings. Last place gets the first player, and it runs weekly. The first week is only four days. So should I tank the first four days so I can claim Fernando Tatis Jr. on (laughs) – on it's a – oh, no, he only has to be in last place by Saturday morning. So I guess he only has to tank for a few days to to get Tatis. I I would do it. It's a long season. I would do it. I'm not going to say you should do this. I'm going to say you can do this, and it would probably be prudent to do so. Well, you don't have to completely I, tank, like sit everybody and get no stats. Okay, that I don't do that. But you know, maybe kind of suck a little bit. That's all. You know, gotta be a little bit bad. Well, that's the only way to ensure it works. Otherwise, you might go halfway there and and win uh, unexpectedly, and then and then or. You may go halfway there and not be the worst team in the league, but you could have won more, I guess, is the danger to that. I, I just, I can't, I can't get behind, I can't get behind losing on purpose. You know, that's, no. Okay, Scott, not a Sixers fan. To quote Mob Deep, ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. You're either doing it or you're not doing it, all right? (laughs) Right? I live by that motto, by the way, Chris. I have it tattooed on my arm. And uh, I'm going to skip this last email, but I'm going to give a shout-out to Ed S. in Jacksonville. He's a diehard Cubs fan. He grew up four blocks from Ridley. Uh, and after school in the late 50s, he'd walk over to the park, and the ushers would let him in for free with his friends. He's a young 70, but still plays at least two fantasy baseball leagues every year. And, uh, yeah, thank you for listening, Ed, and happy opening day to you. Speaking of opening day, we have 15 games. So I'm going to give you guys a game. You're going to tell me one player or storyline to watch in each game. Scott, you are up first. By the way, it just so happened that I did it, you know, every three games I gave to a new analyst. And Scott got the Braves. Heath got the Royals. And Chris got the, I guess I should have given him the Padres, but he did get the Marlins. Mm -hmm. All right. Baltimore's at New York. Who are you looking out for, Scott? All right, so we're going to kick things off right here with Greg Bird being the player I'm watching closest here because as much as fun as we like to make of Adam, I do think there is a lot of untapped upside here. This may be his last chance in the majors as a regular player. This is uh, this is his time. He's healthy, supposedly, um, relatively speaking. <laughs> and uh, we should know pretty early on if he's going to sweep sink or swim because the Yankees first two matchups are against the Orioles obviously and the Tigers maybe the two worst pitching staffs in baseball if he doesn't get off to a hot start he's probably done when Eric Hicks comes back and and Luke Voigt's just the starting first baseman but if he does could be bad news for Voigt but there's there's a way the Yankees can have them both in their lineup if they're willing to bump Brett Gardner instead Scott who's their Yankees third matchup after the Orioles and the Tigers I haven't looked that far ahead. It's the Orioles. It's the Orioles. They have the absolute greatest week one. If you're playing the 10 day, the 11 day week, it's the Orioles, the Tigers, and the Orioles. Uh, unbelievable. I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction. I don't trust Bird to do anything against the Orioles. 
I, do. I understood. I'm going to go ahead and just assume that Greg Bird over the first 10 games of the season is going to be hitting like 400. He's probably going to lead baseball with five home runs. Adam is going to dance on all of us, and he is going to be DFA'd by midnight. D- no, he's not going to be oh, DFA'd. That's like if he's if he's proving he's healthy like that. I I don't know that that maybe he gets hurt before and and then can't play through it like he's not been unable to do in the past. But I don't think he's just going to slump his way out of a job. I mean, it's not just injuries, guys. We have yeah, it is. So we it, have it uh, we we have uh, reached our Greg Bird quota. Pete Alonso is the guy that Heath is going to be looking out for in the Mets Nationals game, which is a Degrom Scherzer matchup. Yeah, and I don't want anyone to think that because I was on the low end of Alonso during our rankings dispute, I don't think there's a ton of upside or things to be excited about here. There certainly is. And I think it's going to be really, I mean, I joked about the Marlins pitching. I think it'll be really interesting to watch him. We're going to find out if he can handle big pitching real quick. He's got the opposite of the Greg Bird schedule with six games against the Nationals in his first nine. Let's go to St. Louis and Milwaukee. Good one here. Chris, who are we looking out for? I'm going to be watching for Ryan Braun. I know this podcast in particular is not particularly excited about Ryan Braun, but he did rework his swing. He's actually still been a pretty good fantasy player, uh, even in his decline years, because he still runs. He still hits for decent power. He reworked his swing to try to tap into some more power. So I want to see what that looks like in the first couple of games of the season. Scott, Atlanta and Philadelphia, who's the player to watch? Yeah, I didn't actually love my choices here, but uh, so I'm, I'm going with David Robertson. If you know, pres- if if the, if the Phillies are ahead and it's a safe situation heading into the ninth inning, um, if if Robertson comes in earlier than the ninth inning, or if he's not the one who comes in the ninth inning, the level of panic that will sweep through the fantasy baseball world is going to be, uh, it, it'll it'll be fun, I guess. I think he's the obvious choice to lead the team in saves, but it, it probably won't be in every save situation scenario. Heath gets the game of the day. Blue Jays, Tigers. Who are we keeping uh, keeping an eye on? <laughs> Unlike Scott's game between the Phillies and the Braves, there are numerous options in this game to get excited <laughs> about. The Tigers and Blue Jays, two up-and-coming teams. I'm very excited, though, to watch Marcus Stroman against a pretty weak lineup. I don't think he was as ba- is as bad as he was last year. He was dealing with that shoulder problem all year long. Says he feels healthy. I expect him to get off to a good start, and he's my favorite DFS pitcher of the day. All right, let's go to Chicago and Texas. Cole Hamill's revenge. And, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Scott, wait one moment on Chicago, Texas. We have Houston, Tampa no Bay problem. first. Chris, you have the Astros and the Rays. So there are a lot of guys on this in this series who I'd be excited to watch in a couple of days. But for right now, the opening day pitchers are two of the best pitchers in baseball. So I'll go with Tommy Pham. I want to we know how up and down he's been. We know about his vision issues. He's a guy that I always want to see where he's at at any given moment. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on that if he swings and misses seven times today, which he's totally liable to do. You know, then you you have to start looking at him and say, well, maybe we got to be a little worried. Okay, and now Scott Cole Hamels' revenge, Chicago at Texas. Ooh, Cole Hamels would have been a good pick because he was so bad at Texas. Yeah, but oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm going with I'm going with Nomar Mazzara, uh, who supposedly reworked his swing with the hopes of getting more fly balls, and and that would be the key probably to unlocking his potential. 
I'm watching to see if there are any results uh, for that in the first game because there certainly weren't this spring. Had did basically nothing. Uh, I was wrong, by the way. It's John Lester. We talked about Cole Hamels. He is facing. Oh, he is facing the Rangers go. this weekend, but it's it's Lester tonight against Mike Miner. So apologies there. Next game, Angels and Oakland. Heath, who are I like this one, Heath. We haven't talked a lot about this guy, but you got your eyes on. We talked a lot about this guy last year because Cole Calhoun was one of my favorite sleepers, and he was just dreadful. He was also banged up for a lot of the year. He finally started to hit a little bit in the second half, but he, I expect, to be the leadoff hitter all year for the Angels, and he had a pretty good spring. He's going to hit in front of Trout. I think Calhoun could be one of the best sleeper outfielders. I'd like to see him get off to a good start this year, though, and not struggle like he did in 2018. All right, we got a few more games left. Colorado is at Miami. Chris, I hope you're going to the game, but if you're not, or even if you are, who are you keeping an eye on at Rockies Marlins? I think I'm going to go on Saturday. Can't really get out of work today, but I'm going to be keeping an eye on Jorge Alfaro, unless they're Lewis Brinson in there. I just want to see them make contact with the baseball. That's really all I'm asking okay, for I, today. I want to see, I mean, I assume Hampson will not be in the lineup today. I don't know if that's been determined yet. They, yeah. they haven't released their lineup yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there. Ryan McMahon yep. is a righty on the mound, so that's good for him. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're obviously we've been keeping an eye on that all spring. Pittsburgh's at Cincinnati. Scott, we got to see something from Luis Castillo today. Yes, we do, because obviously he's a popular breakout again for good reason. The stuff uh, is great. The potential for to be a really good control pitch. There's a lot of upside, clearly. And this is one of the weaker lineups in his division, Pittsburgh. So I, I want to see him light him up today. If he doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's it's not how you want to see his season start after what was a pretty disappointing year last year. And Heath, I will be rooting very hard against Zach Granke. You heard my bold prediction earlier. You've got your eyes on him as he faces the Dodgers in Dodger Stadium. It's a revenge game for Zach Greinke, like his 17th, because they play them 20 times a year, but still. Uh, no, I I think it's interesting because I get your point on Zach Greinke. I also get Scott's point on Zach Greinke, and I'm kind of in the middle of you two and see both as possibilities. I'd like to see what his velocity is in his first start. I'd like to see if it matters, because a lot of times for Zach Greinke, it just doesn't. And I think that if he has low velocity today, that we, you know, if, if any pitcher has low velocity in their first start, give him a little bit of time, you know. That that does climb as the season goes on. Not to say it's completely. But there irrelevant. wasn't concern. There wasn't. There wasn't questions raised about his velocity this spring, unlike the past two springs, right? No, like, he hit eighty-eight. Was. <laughs> there was. Honestly. I haven't heard anything. Chris, like there was concerns about Granky's velocity, right? No, not this spring. No, oh, after right. his first start, he he actually said, "This is, I finally don't have any concerns," and it was because he hit eighty-eight. That wasn't a joke. Okay, he hit eighty. Okay, that's what he said. No, that's fair. Uh, Cleveland's at Minnesota, Chris. Who are you looking at in this game? You want to watch both starting pitchers, but really it's it's Byron Buxton. Reworked his swing in the offseason, quieted it down, got rid of the big leg kick. Had a good spring, was one of Scott's uh, big winners from spring training. So I, it's a tough matchup against Corey Kluber, but I want to see him, like Jorge Alfaro and Lewis Brinson, put the bat on the ball. You know, I, I don't want to see Byron Buxton get off to a slow start. Because we've th- seen things snowball for him. And the two starting pitchers are Corey Kluber and Jose Barrios. Okay, three games left. Scott, you've got San Francisco at San Diego. 
I do want to see if Fremil Reyes is in the lineup. He better be since it's a lefty on the mound. But that lefty, Madison Bumgarner, is the one I'm really watching here going against what looks like pretty strong lineup for the Padres, a pitcher who a lot of people, myself kind of leading the parade, are really down on. The skills seem to be fading fast for Madison Bumgarner here. He got rocked a couple times in spring training against not such great lineups. So if he gets rocked today, again, like I said for Castillo, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's it's going to uh, amplify those concerns. White Sox at Kansas City. Heath, get excited. Who are you Is looking for? Alberto Mondesi. Yeah, it's, it's Mondesi. And I want to see, and I wasn't as high on him as Scott was most of this season, but he had a lot better plate discipline in spring training. He made better contact in spring training. He's going up against a pitcher that is out of the zone a lot of the time in Carlos Rodon. I would just like to see if Mondesi can carry any of that over because if he was actually an 8 or 9% walk guy and an 80% contact guy, he's an absolute star, and we made him the first round next year. And finally, Boston at Seattle. Chris Sale, Marco Gonzalez. Chris, who are you looking at in Boston, Seattle? want to make sure that Malik Smith is healthy and starting at the top of that lineup. Uh, that's the biggest thing for me. You know, it, hopefully there are no lingering effects from his, his spring injury, but he didn't get a lot of playing time. He missed the series in Japan. Worried he could get off to a slow start, and obviously Chris Sale's not going to help that, so we won't learn too much, but I just want to see him look good in the outfield, running the bases if he gets on, stuff like that. Well, there you go. Something to watch for in every single game today. And I think people are going to want to know starts and sits. So let me look at some of the more questionable starters today. And you tell me, um, I'll just, I'll give you a, I'll call out an analyst and you tell me, are you starting Scott Yalisha seen against the Cardinals? No. I can't ask Heath this, so I'll ask Chris. Julio Tehran at Philadelphia. No. Why would anyone ever start Julio Tehran? I don't believe in batter versus pitcher stats being a thing. Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper against Julio Tehran. He, he has like a 4,000 OPS against him. 1,700 OPS in like 68 at-bats or something. Maybe 48, but a ton. Uh, Heath, Jordan Zimmerman at the Blue Jays. No. Scott, John Lester or Mike. an interesting spring. Scott, John Lester or Mike Miner. I would prefer not to, but I'm not a big Lester guy. Heath, Trevor Cahill, or Mike Fires. I want to watch both these guys. I don't want to watch them do what they might do to my ERA and whip, so no. Chris, Kyle Freeland, or Jose Urania? Kyle Freeland, for sure. Uh, probably not Jose Urania. Scott, Madison Bumgarner, or Eric Lauer, or both? I mean, if I drafted Madison Bumgarner, I'm obviously starting him. I didn't, so hopefully... Uh... I don't mind if he gets rocked. Oh, and Lauer was actually among my 10 sleeper pitchers for this week. Good matchup, obviously, and had a really good spring. I, I think that's the guy, that's one of the first guys I'd be picking up, Eric Lauer, if he does well tonight. Not in every league, but I, yeah. Uh, let's see. Rodon and Keller, Heath. Rodon and Keller. I'd be more likely to start Keller, especially as a Sparp. I think Rodon's a fine, um, desperation play, I guess, but I don't want to make desperation plays on opening day, really. And I will have a tough call tonight. Should I start Marco Gonzalez against the Boston Red Sox? What is this Gonzalez's second start of the season? What do you think, Chris Towers? I'd prefer to avoid the Boston Red Sox whenever possible, but 
you may not have that option. If he's not your worst pitcher, probably go with him. Going to finish the show with bold predictions and MLB predictions. I'm going to get mine out of the way real quick here. Cody Bellinger will be a top three MVP finalist. I think all he has to do is be good, respectable against lefties. And I'm a guy who believes that players can have a sophomore slump and come back and be great in their third season. And I think Bellinger uh, will do just that. I'm very excited about him, and I love that he's dual eligible. A.J. Pollock is a top five outfielder in points leagues and top ten in roto. I'm not sure that he's going to give much of a batting average. He might be a 260 hitter or something like that. But, you know, before his injury, his thumb injury last year, he was on pace for, like, somewhere in the 29 to 39 steal range, which would have been four straight years with a 29 to 39 steal pace in 155 games. And uh, I know Chris loves that prediction because he loves A.J. Pollock. So I'm high on Bellinger. I'm high on Pollock. Uh, Scott, knock out your next two bold predictions. I have Brandon Lau finishing as a top 10 second baseman, and I think that's the least bold maybe of all of them. I don't know why he's not getting more attention in fantasy. He's still only 25% owned in CBS Sports Leagues. I think between three positions he'll play a ton with good power and on-base skills. Uh, my last bold prediction is about Luke Voigt, player we've talked about a lot, me especially. Looking at the AL crop of first baseman provided Voigt keeps his job over Greg Bird. I think he's going to be the AL starter at first base, yeah, yeah. which obviously says something about what I think of his production, too. Yeah, all right, that's cool. AL all-star, yeah. Yeah, AL first base, not so great. Um, Heath, oh, by the way, I, I do own Brandon Lau in one league. I am sitting him like, today in this daily Jose, lineup. Jose Abreu still exists, yeah. right? It's a bold prediction. He's the only challenger, right? Yankees fans can stuff the ballot really well. <laughs> no, I wasn't Miguel saying, Cabrera, I wasn't saying maybe. it was bad. I was just saying, like, Adam, we're talking about how bad first base is in the American League. It's not like there's it no is. option. Jose Abreu is really good. It's one guy! But that's basically the only one. I mean, right, there's Miguel Cabrera, Jerks and Profard, I, I don't think would be on the ballot at first base. Yeah, not come good. On. Carlos Santana. Okay, uh, b- 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 Heath, bold predictions. Yeah, I've got uh, Shane Bieber will be the second best pitcher on the Indians. I'm not going to tell you who's going to be first <laughs> or who's going to be behind him, but he's going to be better than Mike Clevenger no matter what happens. Trevor Bauer is going to have a month or two where he tinkers his way into being a bad pitcher. And then one of Corey Kluber or Carlos Carrasco misses a month. Bieber posts a low threes ERA with 190 innings, 190 strikeouts, and a very good whip. And your last goal for another one? Yes. Joey Gallo is going to lead baseball with more than 50 home runs. That one doesn't need any explanation. All right, Chris, you're up. Two bold predictions. I've got... Two bold predictions on Justin Turner. He'll be a top 10 hitter in fantasy, and he is my pick for National League MVP. I think he just has to stay healthy. He's a top 5 hitter in baseball or top 10 hitter in baseball. Plays a good third base. I think there's a ton of upside. Uh, and it's just a matter of not having one of those random injuries that, that he's gone through. It's not like it's been recurring. It's just something has seemed to happen. I don't believe that's a, a negative skill for him. He's so old, it's kind of a negative skill. There's lots of old guys, man. Is that your? Uh, is, do you have another bold prediction, or are they just all about Justin Turner? Uh, and the Marlins will have three top fifty starting pitchers. Uh, there you go. Pablo Lopez, Caleb Smith, and Trevor Richards being my pick. We've talked enough about them over the last week. <clears throat> bold prediction. Homer. Yeah, Homer. I believe last year your bold prediction was the Marlins would not have one one hundred strikeout pitcher. I think they only had one. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good then. 
That's pretty good. Okay, uh, let's talk about MLB predictions here. Who's going to win the American League East? We will go Chris, Heath, Scott for all of these, and then Adam. Chris, who's going to win the AL East? Yankees, you're welcome, Adam. <laughs> who? Adam? Uh, Adam. Thank you. Heath? Uh, easiest pick of all the divisions, Boston Red Sox. Scott? Yankees. I took the Red Sox. Severino out for a month. I took the Red Sox. AL Central. Chris Heath Scott. Easiest. I thought this entire league. Indians. I took the Twins. Their lineup's terrible. Yeah, the I agree with Chris. Terrible. This was this was the easiest pick. Indians. Yeah, the Indians lineup's terrible. You're saying Heath? Yes. Yeah, I, I still think the Indians win it. The Indians win it. And uh, yes. Okay, so. <laughs> That was major, major league. AL <laughs> West. I got it. Thank you. Thank you. Chris? This was the easiest pick. Come on. Astros. I know. AL West. Astros by 25 games. You might be right. This may have been the easiest <laughs> pick. I don't, I don't see another playoff team from that division. Oh, I do. Uh, yeah, the Astros. And I took the Yankees and the Angels as my wild card teams. Chris, who are your wild card teams? Uh, I am going with the Red Sox and the Rays. I don't have to call on you every time, guys. Let's go. Yankees, Indians. Okay. Red Sox, Rays for me also. Not loving the AL field. Yeah, no, it's not not as good as the NL. All right, let's go to the National League. Who's winning the National League East? Chris, Heath, Scott, Adam, go. The Phillies will win by two games over the fourth place team. It's going to be a mess. <laughs> Phillies by a lot. Oof. This was the toughest. It could be any of four teams, but I went with the Nationals because I like their pitching the most. I went with the Phillies. National League Central, Chris Heath Scott. Milwaukee. Brew Crew. Brewers. I took the Cubs. Slightly over the Cubs. It was Ooh. funny. Somebody pointed out that I have the Cubs in first. Who has them in second? Scott. Scott in second, yep. Heath in third, Chris in fourth? Yeah. That was pretty funny. And so it it looks like a connect four. <laughs> yes. It was great. Uh, okay, NL West. Everybody got the Dodgers? Okay, this was yes. the easiest one. No, this is not the easiest one. No, I, it wasn't easy. I, I picked the Dodgers, but I really wanted to pick the Rockies because I think there's so many, so much upside from so many Rockies. It's just hard to overcome the Dodgers depth. Like things go wrong for the Dodgers. They just have somebody else to plug in. Yeah. Okay. Wild card teams in the National League. Chris, Heath, Scott. I'm going with my second place. I'm sorry. I'm not Chris. Go ahead. Go ahead Chris. <laughs> well, he took I'm too gonna long. Go the, I'm yeah. going to go with the Cardinals and Padres. I think the NL East is such a bloodbath that they kind of, just beat each other up and nobody gets to 90 wins. Cardinals and Rockies. My second placed NL East team is actually the Mets, though again it could be any of the four, and then the Rockies, obviously, who I wanted to win the division. Okay, I also have the Rockies. You have the Cardinals missing the playoffs? I do. I actually have the Cardinals finishing in fourth. Yeah, oh, fourth. I'm in third. I have Milwaukee and Colorado as the wild card teams. Uh, so NL Central, NL West. Oh, man, the NL's great. And it was great, uh, much, much more difficult than the AL, which is interesting because I, I wonder how that's gonna affect pitchers. You know, you kinda like to get some NL pitchers, they face the pitcher in the order. 
But are the lineups just as a whole better in the National League than they are in the American League? Even when you consider the DH, that would be interesting. I think they, I think they probably are. I mean, half the American League is just not trying to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if but you also, look at when I was dividing, when I was dividing the player pool for AL and NL only leagues, beyond like the first two rounds, the NL dominated for like the rest of the top three hundred. Right. Okay, and then. AL MVP, I got Mike Trout. Chris, go. Mike Trout. Moogie Betts. Jose Ramirez, who might be the only hitter on that first place Indians team. AL Cy Young, I got Garrett Cole. Chris. Trevor Bauer. Garrett Cole. Trevor Bauer. Hey, all right. Uh, AL Rookie of the Year, Eloy across the board, right? Kiss of death. (laughs) (laughs) I really wanted to pick Brandon Lau, but... I took the safe pick. Yeah, Eloy's going to hit 240 now. NL MVP. I am super excited about Freddie Freeman. I am hoping that as he is now further uh, along and away from that injury, uh, that wrist injury, that the power will come back. And if it does, Freddie Freeman is your MVP. Chris? Justin Turner. Bryce Harper. Uh, I'm going Ronald Acuna for the... Hopefully not fourth place Braves. <laughs> and I'll yeah, say, it's it's uh, gonna be really hard for him to win the MVP from fourth place. That is not true. the way voters vote these days. Nah, I think I think it is. He'll, he'll, I, th- I think he'll lead. <laughs> I think he'll lead the NL in WAR. Um, and I'll say Young, Max Scherzer. Yep, Noah Syndergaard. Scherzer. NL Rookie of the Year, Victor Robles. Yep, Fernando Tatis. I went with Robles also. Got got to give him the defensive edge over Pete Alonso. Who wins the World Series, guys? Chris Scott, uh, Chris Heath Scott. We're all cowards. We all picked the Dodgers to make the World Series again because we are victims of recency bias, and the Yankees lose to the Dodgers in the World Series. The Dodgers finally get over the hump. Clayton Kershaw, World Series MVP. <laughs> uh, Clayton Kershaw can't pitch in the postseason. Astros over Dodgers. Dan? Yankees over Dodgers. Okay, so I got the Astros over the Dodgers as well. So two Yankees-Dodgers World Series, two Astros-Dodgers World Series. Ratings bonanza. Thank you for listening, everybody. Enjoy opening day. We are going to have a lot to talk about tomorrow. We'll see you then.